This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Crazy Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. And I'm Nay from the Off5 and Calvin and Hobbes cast. Hey, glad to have you with us, Nay. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk about Almost Famous. Uh, this is uh, Minute 37 here in Week 17, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> and it starts with Ben making a deal with William and ends with Lester trying to discourage William. So we have uh, uh, the one thing that's I, that, that's actually really uh, makes a lot of sense for you to be on for the, these minutes. He, he's silent. He, he made his debut last minute, but... Uh, He's, he's silent for both last minute and this minute, but uh, good old uh, Dwight Schrute. Yep, Rain Wilson. He's so fancy with his cigarette yeah. holder and his little yeah. red suit. <laughs> my my big note for that was he has this uh, great cigarette acting this minute. Yeah. He's just kind of waving around there. This other guy, I always thought, you know, uh, Ben Fong Torres. I always thought that was supposed to be Jan Winner when I saw it before. Oh, Jan, wow. Jan Venner. So I assumed yeah. that that's what Jan Venner looked like. And it's just wow. a whole confusing thing. When the, then later on, I saw what he looked like. And I'm like, that's he doesn't look like that actor. Yeah. But then I looked He's up not... Ben Fong Torres today, and he looks almost exactly like that guy. So like, really good casting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and later on, much, much later, um, there, uh, Jan Venner is actually even in this movie. Oh. He's, he's, he has a very... <laughs> You know, little, little, very, you know, even smaller than Kim, you know, I'd say. I guess I forgot about anything. that. Yeah. Oh, the real Jan Venner. Yeah, the real Jan Venner is actually in this. Nice. Um, very, very briefly. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, Ben Fong Torres, um, played by Terry Chen. But he's just an editor at Rolling Stone, and he's still able to hand out the dough for assignments and stuff? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that's in, the, in this other guy, too, played by Rain Wilson, is, that, is David Felton. 
um, is his name. And he was a writer, that's for sure. He, he uh, the, the biggest thing I saw him that, that he wrote was in uh, 1970, so three years prior to this, um, about uh, Charlie Manson and the murders. Oh. They're all on the masthead, I imagine, back in the day. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, back back in the early days when, yeah, you definitely uh, would have uh, people that, that wrote and did, did had the, the editing capab- responsibilities and, right, would, would then also be on the masthead. I remember Hunter S. Thompson was still on the masthead when I was reading it in the oh. early oddies, but really? he didn't write anything in it during those times. They just always kept yeah. him on there as yeah. like a foreign correspondent or something. Oh. Probably not that. That sounds more... It's some like foreign affairs desk or something. He had a special title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I I even uh, saw something where some people were kind of confused by the the Rain Wilson character and thinking he was supposed to be Hunter S. Thompson. Too. Oh, <laughs> there was some confusion there too. I think over the years. Um, was this Rain Wilson's first role? Because this predates uh, House of a Thousand Corpses by quite okay, a bit. Yeah. When he turns into a merman. Yeah, and he certainly does have uh, a couple lines later in the movie here. As I said, uh, this this is all this silent acting. <laughs> he's he's doing the thumbs down song, or uh, sign, the thumb downs uh, sign to uh, Ben. Not not as some kind of uh, negative, you know, as, as I think most people would kind of think, or or even lower, it's, it's, it's kind of a... a f- formulation or, or different differentiation of lower he's really just trying to just say low keep it low yeah keep low ball up. him yeah low ball him yeah yeah keep uh the uh what what, are, what they're gonna pay young william so yeah there's two things in this minute where william gets kind of saved by his own uh lack of words mm-hmm. <laughs> his own speechlessness right, yeah. yep in this one because they they think he's being stoic or something and then uh-huh. offered him 300 more dollars and then the other one in a few seconds is there anything you want to talk about before we get to that part well no no uh well i mean the thing that i would actually the the big thing i noted about uh uh the point where william is kind of making a certain this certain sounds like he's, he dropped i think he's dropped a pen or pencil what have you but he's kind of making that that sound, and it's it's a similar scene or a similar sound is being made in my mind, uh, similarly on a phone, over mm-hmm. a phone, and it's actually the uh, the impersonation that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off that the secretary played by Edie McClurg is making, trying to trying to imitate Ed Rooney, the principal. I don't know if yeah. you've, if you, have you seen that. Not recently. No, not recently. Okay, well, it's always <laughs> yeah. stuck in my mind as a great okay. little bit of comedy. Um, I know, I know the guy, and I know uh, Gary and Victoria of of Ferris Bueller's Minute Off uh, uh, certainly uh, pointed that out as being an interesting part as well. I them. I pulled um, a different John Hughes reference sure. with. Okay. Uh, it's reminding me of Kevin McAllister in Home Alone Two ordering things from the room servers we were like, excuse me I'm rup-, like uh, like a super yeah. fake adult voice <laughs> that no adult actually has can you imagine if, if i called somebody like called my bank or something to have some drag session i was like excuse me this is nathan trying to take out some money from my checking account they'd be like okay kid, kid get off the phone like there's no way they'd believe it <laughs> not a real voice <laughs> 
Well, and, and again, and, and and then that leads me to another. That reminds me of another Ferris Bueller's Day Off thing is when, uh, for when Cameron is doing the, the uh, older adultish, you know, uh, uh, Chicago <laughs> um, person, um, yeah, imitation to fool uh, uh, Rooney earlier on, and then later uh, in the middle, I roughly the uh, the waiter, <laughs> this snooty snotty waiter. Um, so, you know, like, uh, something that happens here is that, uh, you know, that, that, that again, you know, helps, uh, what you're, what, what I think what you're going towards is, is that, uh, Ben is asking, what's your background, William? Are you a journal, are you a journalism major? And he does say, yeah, but Ben then, you know, you know, further, you know, line of inquiry is what college. And that's when, you know, I mean. There's there's definitely a couple seconds there where William is not coming up with anything. He's he's thinking for a second too or two there, but then uh, Elaine, his mom, who Ben Ben then thinks is his wife, um, William's wife, uh, because Elaine comes on and says, "Honey, I need you to do that thing that fixes the garbage disposal." Um, and and he and Ben certainly has his uh, his line of you know, know how know how my lady gets when you don't snap to it. Yeah, and it kind of paints a portrait of their home life too. That yeah, that William's the guy that would fix the garbage disposal. He is kind yeah. of the you know him and even though he's being raised by his mother, they're kind of like partners a little bit in sense of uh-huh. they're the only ones there, and so they split up those tasks. But yeah, you, you're supposed to think, oh, he's toast because obviously that's his mom. You saw it, but if you realize right. if you're just listening to it, it could be his wife or something. Yeah, it's it's that old uh, old old uh, timey tradition thing of uh, you know the 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 man of the house <laughs> and and their responsibilities and so forth that uh, he he would be the one to uh, whoever whoever is the man of the house is the one that uh, should take care of fixing the garbage disposal. Yeah, so you think that she's blown it, but actually she right. saves him because then that distracts from the university question. So. Yeah, and it never it certainly never comes back to that because in Ben Fong Torres' mind, you know, his reasoning for asking these things is to kind of snuff out any possibility of, you know, someone kind of trying to pull one over on them, I would think, um, you know, and, and that uh, kind of uh, gets him to uh, realize that, okay, this, this has got to be legit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This is clearly an adult man, so it's yes. fine. No matter, he can write those articles, I'm sure, because he's clearly an adult with a wife, therefore he's qualified. Yeah, yeah and then they then they both go back and forth saying crazy a few right, times. Yeah. yeah, and there was the one time uh, previous, in the, in the very previous minute, when Ben, you know, that, that's when the when the phone call starts, uh, and, and there's the, the, the minute ends with Ben saying crazy, and then it goes into the, let's do 3,000 words. Right. Um, now, one one thing I think also to he- heavy to note, um, you know, we've we've uh, certainly I think I think it started in the last minute was the song uh, "Easy to Slip" by the band Little Feet, um, and and it, you know it's it's actually it really makes me think of uh, especially almost right at the split of the of the minutes here, what we heard the previous minute was kind of more hard rockin'. But what this minute has is a more tender, almost uh, a um, 
ballad, you know, ballad almost ish, mm-hmm. maybe kind of a song um, by this band, Little Feet, which uh, had a lot of um, um, uh, people uh, that were that were uh, uh, fan, you know, other other rock musicians and so forth that were fans of it. One, the biggest person of note being Jimmy, Jimmy Page, who is uh, pretty crucial to this. Uh, this movie, this uh, and, and Cameron Crowe himself having been uh, one of the bands that uh, 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 Led Zeppelin being uh, one of the bands that uh, Crowe uh, toured with and did interviews with. Yeah, Jimmy Page was kind of the original Jason Lee. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just kidding. That's, but yeah, <laughs> one interesting detail in the beginning part is he says, uh, you're going to join the band on the road. And then he says, we'll set up billing. Don't let the band pay for anything. Uh-huh. Um, so they they want to avoid that conflict. They're setting that up early because the band's going to try to butter him up by yeah, right. butter or something. Yeah, that's that's there's definitely a uh, a little bit of a phrase later that's uh that's used in the rolling sins offices when we come back to them later in a movie that's uh he's just a fan wait that william is just a fan and wrote this uh article that uh you know was just uh painting a pretty picture of the band on the road versus anything uh kind of uh whether it was just uh of a more uh behind the scenes of a of of things that bands wouldn't want you to know about kind of uh of you they want that dirt yep um but then but then the real thing uh, that i've read about uh, a good bit here in, in, in preparing for this show is that uh um the, the one of the big reasons that rolling stone was interested in having this you know and knowing that they had this you know young writer and and continued to write for them as as he was in his later teens um uh, after his initial kind of foray uh, or two, and, and just just several several more, and on into his twenties too, that's for sure. But but in those earlier days, it was just it was just this uh, notability that they had this young <laughs> teenage writer on almost on almost on staff. It was you know they they just a little more consultancy like you know yeah contributor yeah he wasn't uh, fully on staff because he was still trying to finish school and all that, but. Um, I looked up, I, you know, to research for this, tried to read that original, what probably would have been the original article yeah. that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't find anything that was that interesting to read, unfortunately. <laughs> like, when I was reading it, I was kind of falling asleep and just stopped reading it. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I got yeah, a lot of things. Not, yeah. I'm just going to look up footage It's not of the gonzo Lester journalism Bay. of Hunter S. Thompson, as they point out. We, are, we already, later on, there's the line. <laughs> we already have one Hunter S. Thompson at this magazine. <laughs> yeah, but they should get more because... <laughs> Yeah, he's a good writer. <laughs> well, they have their own Hunter S. Thompson now, their new one. Uh, I don't recall his name, but he he wrote he writes like the new political stuff and uh, uh, Matt Tybee or something T A I B B I. Yeah, yeah, Matt Matt Tybee. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's I so Hunter S. Thompson. Years ago, when I last yeah when I last had HBO, which I will be getting HBO back soon because of the Watchmen show. But uh, and I, w- I would tune into the uh, real time with Bill Maher mm-hmm. show every now and then, and and he was definitely a, a a guest on there a few times over the few years I was watching that. He's cool, but it is very derivative. But then I don't know. I guess it's like it's cool to have that something like that perspective here. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rolling down Highway 41. Um, the, 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 that first song we were talking about, uh, Easy to Slip, um, that does end at a point here. There's a little bit of a blank you know, a couple the couple lines that are that are said about the garbage disposal and snap to it, but then this other song starts up um, and it ends up being diegetic. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, this is actually the song that I was thinking that's that's this is the uh, this is the song that has that hard rocking at the start, um, and and then right I think right around the change of this minute into the next that you, while you're here with us, Nathan, that uh, it uh, goes into a little more ballad type the easy to slip that was that's more hmm. this next one is the raspberries right yeah by the raspberries that uh, oh, okay yeah but but the easy to slip by little feet it's yeah it, it, it's 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 got it's it's similar to the you know the leonard skinner and allman brothers that are definitely a big part of of uh this movie um but much cheaper yeah but, but i'm right, assuming <laughs> Got to fill up the whole movie with music. We can't be dropping big bucks on every single song. Mm-hmm. Is there a really epic, almost famous playlist on Spotify or something that you know more than the soundtrack had? Oh yeah, yeah. I I know that I know those are out there. Yeah, that that's been. Uh, there's been uh, people that have those. I think I've. I, I well, and actually, it's it was previous guests even actually that I know have created that as well. So I know I know multiple people have, have have created that, and I even have, but I even have my own, which is you know essentially my permanent version. When I've had, I've, I've even copied it onto the couple different cloud spots I can, um, you know where it's you know I mean it's it's my actual you know actual downloaded files um, from my uh, Amazon you know and so forth, um, and, and my own personal collection even before Amazon was a thing. I certainly had some of them. Um, but you know, all, all numbered too, <laughs> numbered in the right order. So that way, you know, if I had to, uh, put them in a whole different folder for whatever reason, they would still at least all be in the right order. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, and we have that, so we have that create, uh, the change in the song as well as, you know, which is overlaying this, this, this one scene with Ben and, uh, and then we start to hear a little bit and then, and cut to as well, uh, uh, William talking with Lester Bangs again. He certainly had the uh, the good uh, five minutes, roughly maybe earlier in the film, and and then we get him sprinkled in like two or three times here throughout. With this being the first of those a little bit smaller times where they're where they're all on the phone. Um, we we never they're never back in in, in person in, in uh, one-on-one communication uh, in person together. But these oh, these uh, phone calls. And then this is the phone call where Lester is wearing the shirt Detroit sucks. Yeah, what's the story behind that? <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's one of the weird things I kind of got into a little bit with the previous guest was that uh, you know, it's a, you know, I, I mentioned oh, there's later on we're gonna have him wearing that shirt. Yet we we're talking about how he kind of he was from Detroit. 
He's living there in San Diego. He lives there. Um, I think that's right. But he like left all that MC5, right. Iggy and the Stooges stuff, right? right? Yeah, from Detroit. He, he certainly a lot likes some of it, but then you know, I, I think he, he, you know, there's there's other parts of it. I mean, I. Uh, I love hearing people that are really passionate about things. I love yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of Lester Banks. And I used to think uh-huh. that was like the coolest thing. And now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, oh, calm down about rock and roll. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to change. You're, just, you're getting old. I can't believe you would like say the whole thing had died. And like you look at that time frame, it's like three right. years that he like did a 180 on music in general. And it's like, I guess... You know, rock music really hadn't been around long enough to realize it goes in cycles, but, you know, or whatever. But uh, I, I did look up Lester Bangs talking uh, in his interview, and, and he does a, a pretty good job. He does like a Lester Bangs mixed with Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman in there, yeah. too. But I love his energy as he's running around that room. Nervous energy, getting yeah. records off the shelf and stuff. Um, in this minute, you know, he, he's saying, uh, Lester ends the minute by saying back to William, you got starry eyes, my friend. But then next minute, there's there's an even more explicit thing that, that he says after the phone is hung up. Um, right. Which we can certainly get into then. And that, and that kind of weirdness of complications of <laughs> Lester's life and so forth. Uh well, he's friends with a kid. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I met someone and they were really talented and I had a lot, a lot of promise in them, and then they were a kid, I'd be like, "All right, see you when you're an adult." I'm not gonna hang out with a kid. Like, I'm not gonna mentor a kid. Sorry. <laughs> um, and and the, there is the other thing that Lester is warning. You know, he's he's saying, "Beware to William." You know, of Rolling Stone magazine because they will change your story. They'll rewrite it you know, turn it into swill. And we have a, so, so the word swill is used once here and it kind of, you know, William, William just, you know, disregards that says, but but besides that, what, what would be wrong with, what would be wrong with it? Would, what would be wrong with, you know, writing an article for Rolling Stone. Um, And, and that word swill also comes back uh, next minute as a, one of those interesting things that I, I I think I don't we don't I don't think we see William writing down the phrase, but but he certainly likes it and puts it in his <laughs> in his memory banks, I believe. I right. Say. And so Lester Banks is the editor at Cream Magazine at this time. Is that right? Because he was able right, to yeah. get a story from him earlier right yeah i mean yeah i mean he's he's i you know there's there certain points definitely after this i know that uh he's still he, he he would you know write as well write articles and, and do interviews and so forth but um yeah he, he's definitely in that editor role mainly yeah i had his book uh oh. carburetor dung and something psychotic oh. reaction and carburetor dung um i i and i read through it a little bit but it's like it's just really hard to enjoy it if you don't know anything most of the things yeah. in there i hadn't heard and uh that was before when i had that book it was before spotify where you could just hear anything you wanted uh-huh. at any time so when i would hear these like now if i were listening to that i would probably right, put on yeah. that album while i was listening to the mm-hmm. part so i could see what he's 
talking about, but it's just hard to a total abstraction when you haven't even heard of the band and you're trying to get into it. I was mostly read the reviews of the bands I had at least heard and and then I think I yeah yeah ideally and back in the day that's the way it should have been it should have been written in a way where if you hadn't heard it it should get you to you know at least if at least if the if the uh, writer is wanting you is is thinking you should buy it then it should get want you want you to go out and listen to it and buy it that's but, true huh you're supposed yeah, to yeah. read it before yeah. you listen to it and I'm yeah. like well I guess I guess maybe in that way it wasn't a very good review a lot of yeah, those. Right. Because even the glowing ones, I don't know, maybe I, if it was in there, maybe that was why I picked up Captain Beefheart or something. I don't know if that was in there, but I, yeah. there were like things at that time mm-hmm. where people would just recommend something to me and I would just go buy the CD and then listen to it multiple times to make sure I was getting everything out of it. And nowadays, you know, it's like five seconds in, I'm like, ah, this isn't really for me and click, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of those uh, more challenging albums, I'm like, well, who's got the time to enjoy a challenging album eventually? Uh, well, do you have any other notes? Are there any any of the actors that we've? I mean, you've already talked. You've definitely talked a little bit about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but well, anyone I guess, else you want to talk about? Or yeah, Patrick. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Fugit. Fugit. Yeah. Well, William, you know, I I think that this movie kind of shows uh, possibly Cameron Crowe's uh, inexperience with. Uh, directing actors in a little bit. I hate to be mean. It's just, you know, I think when he works with good actors, they all give him what he wants. But for me, Williams, uh, the performance of William kind of like varies all over the place. Like sometimes it's it's really endearing. And then other, like, especially at the end when he's like yelling at at Penny Lane, I'm like, this is like some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Where he's like, he's like yelling, but he's not even really yelling. He's like, I'm trying to tell you. Well, I think that's, I think that's the point of the, for the character. The character is acting. The character is kind of, it's not that he's lying. What, what he's saying at that point is that he's lying. It's more that he's, the attitude that he's putting on is is Mm. a put on. That's true. You know, he's he's trying to be mean when he's generally not. He's an awfully nice. Yeah, kid. it's like someone trying to be mean for the first time, yeah, like when right. when Jim Helpert <laughs> tries to yell in the office. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's yeah. just like I remember watching the extra features, and he was talking about how Cameron Crowe waves by just putting up his hand when he's leaving places, and he's yeah. like, "I'm going to do that in the movie," and he does it multiple times in the movie. And I'm like, "Why don't you pick up?" Like Cameron Crowe also doesn't act as weird as you are acting. <laughs> Why don't you act more like a person? <laughs> <laughs> you know other than doing the hand thing which is cool but like you know we don't know him so <laughs> you could wave any old way if you wanted <laughs> the other crazy thing that happened over the course of shooting the movie is that he started went through puberty <laughs> so they they had that kind of issue where they kind of and I, I feel like even in this minute i mean he's definitely doing those you know lowering his voice um to try to fool ben Fontores, but but I, I feel like there's spots spots in there where it's eighty yard a little bit. Oh, interesting. I feel if like. he should have had him record all of his yeah. lines at the beginning before he went through puberty, just in case. <laughs> yeah, like the whole movie. <laughs> get some squeaks in there too. Mm-hmm. Ah! Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that's okay. that's all I wanted yeah. to say. Anyway, cool. uh, you know, you're he, he's good though. Some of, some of his lines are so endearing. Like when he's like, "Well, what would be wrong with that?" You know, like in this minute, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's really good. Uh, cool. Um, so 
this is the point where for the first for the first day with you, uh, Nathan, um, would you rank from favorite to least or vice versa? Um, the four bands that are most commonly believed to make up the band, uh, Stillwater, um, and they are just 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 in case we got any new listeners somehow <laughs> starting with this minute, um, Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. Uh, yes, I I'm gonna I'll go favorite to least, I guess. Sure. I I actually really like the Almond Brothers Band. Oh. I or I uh, listened oh. to the audiobook of their entire biography which is really long and it actually made me like them even more um and when i listen to them it sounds pleasant i don't put them on that often but it's like it's like all pretty good stuff from the era i listening to you know Uh the the classic albums anyway then i'd have to go i was i was like tossing up between the next two and between (laughs) and i had to i think i went with led zeppelin because i think that they have some some really great and diverse songs especially like you know some of their more out there stuff like trampled underfoot and uh-huh. uh you know they went through a journey which is amazing oh, yeah. guitar work and uh but then like their most popular songs i feel like everyone goes through that zeppelin phase and so like their most popular songs i don't really want to hear anymore because i've like I, i'm definitely over that phase so now uh-huh. it's like i'll listen to you know i don't want to i just don't want to hear like uh, black dog anymore actually a black dog i would hear right. <laughs> i don't know i don't know which ones i don't I'm mostly stuff from like uh two and three i guess yeah. um but then next i gotta go for the eagles because i i did watch their documentary uh, when it was on netflix maybe it still is that massive two-part documentary uh-huh. and to me that just really showed how they were a real band like they felt like a real young band which i've never really thought about them in that way because the first time i heard them they were already reuniting and they were already all sitting down playing acoustic guitars at the front of the stage and that's kind of how i always thought of them to see footage and you know just hear how passionate they were about Mm -hmm. putting together harmonies and stuff but then on the other hand i really hate some of their music so uh but but i can definitely i definitely get a big big eagles vibe from stillwater more so than mm. what I know about the other bands. They just don't uh-huh. seem like big rock stars. They don't seem as like bluesy and down to earth as the Allman Brothers. They seem a little bit more California and fakey. So I would have to <laughs> probably say they're mostly the Eagles. And then lastly is Leonard Skinner. To me, they're just like lesser Allman Brothers. So <laughs> sorry to any Skinner yeah. fans, but uh, <laughs> I always just think of like Allman Brothers Jr. with a Confederate flag. So <laughs> plus, you know, like. The fact that they kept going so long after both both of those southern bands had a lot of a death, you know. Uh, yeah, right. And I feel like Allman Brothers kept it together a lot better uh-huh. creatively than like hiring the singer's brother and <laughs> you know. Yeah, like at least, a lot at of those least with Allman died. Brothers, they're already both in the band. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Allman brother. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and then uh, well, I guess that's all of them. Yeah, so that's my list. Cool. That's that's a little little uh, different, I think, than we've had. Uh, the, the preponderance definitely is Zeppelin one, but <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, in the lead at this point. I, I there's definitely a time I would have said that yeah. when I had more testosterone, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, great. Um, so uh, you think you'll be able to make it back for the uh, the next minute, uh, uh, minute thirty eight coming up? Sure. At, and actually, in a week. See you next week, <laughs> buddy. From now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, well, we'll do that. Um, and uh, uh, you, you want to plug just a real quick, a, a real quick uh, other thing. I, I think you said at the beginning. Uh, what did you say? Did you oh, say yeah, what did yeah. you say? The off five or what did you say? Yeah, the off five office, no, but yeah. with a V. Google will yeah. try to correct you. Just don't let it. Don't let it do it, man. <laughs> uh, but it's about the office. Goes through each episode. It's it's pretty yeah. pretty good, I think. So if you'll yeah. like it, if you like the office, if you haven't watched the office a lot, you probably will hate it. <laughs> so don't listen to it in that case. <laughs> I listened to it. That's for darn sure. Oh, thank okay. you. Okay. Um, yeah. Welcome. Uh, so we'll be back next time. And until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god. Queen of Hearts is always your best bet.